Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good Wednesday, everybody. Thank you so much for coming in to spend with us today. If you're listening rebroadcast, well, maybe it's not Wednesday for you, but it is happy, wacky Wednesday for us. And we appreciate you as today we're going to dive into a hot topic, a traumatic topic, and also an emergency. And the best way, as we've always taught you guys, is to be prepared for an emergency. Hopefully what we talk about today on the call is the goal is to educate you and make you think of things before the emergency happens, just like a fire, Um, just like when we had uh, Chief um, Tom Marr um, on talking about knowing your egress, you know, how, how do you get out of buildings? How do you get out of your home? Make sure they're clear. Well, today we're going to talk about an event that hopefully you never have to participate in or be a part of. And unfortunately, the way the culture is, um, you might know someone who's been involved in an active shooter event. So right now we're going to go around the room and introduce our team members. And Darrow, how are you today? I'm well. And for those that don't know me, I'm a retired police fire EMS dispatcher, answered 911 for over 15 years. So I never took an active shooter call, though, however. I'm lucky in that regard. And just to let you guys know, and our special guest can also clarify this, my learning of identifying as an active shooter is involving more than four people. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. Okay. Hey, Jay, how are you today? Well, I'm doing great. And what I bring to this table is I used to work in the hospital as a nurse tech or an orderly, depending on which department, which place you're at. And my other job was working on the fire department with a as a firefighter, paramedic, and rescue diver. And I have been on a uh, shooting and different other kinds of calls. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you sharing that experience. And as everyone knows, my name is Terry Suarez. I am the creative director of this crew and very proud of them. Critical care respiratory therapist and um, worked with Orlando Health for the majority of my 20-something years. And so June 12th is a date that is very dear to my heart. Um, I was not working the night of the Pulse event. Um, I was home in bed sleep, sleeping very comfortably. But my friends and coworkers, um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We learned a lot. The next person I want to introduce, we are proud to say she will be a permanent team member with us. Reverend Susan, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show today. And what are you bringing to the table when you join us? I'm bringing 20-something years as working with people, mostly with the elderly population in hospitals, nursing homes, CCRCs, which are long-term resident care facilities, and then as a chaplain. So I've worked in a lot of supportive roles and and really enjoy hearing not only their stories, but supporting them in good and bad times. Well, I'm really glad you're with us today because, as we know, um, active shooting events may only last 5 to 15 minutes, but the after effect can last for years and years to come. All right, I'm super excited to say we have two representatives today to help us with this discussion. We have two excellent officers, community Um, officers from the city of Orlando Police Department, and they are ranked as one of the top best in the United States. So officers, go ahead. Officer Eddie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, Terry, thank you very much for that nice introduction. And um, yes, I'm Officer Eddie Rosado with the Orlando Police Department and um, employed by them here for 17 years. And like I said, I'm the baby of the the bunch there. When you get to meet my partner there is... um, um, he'll tell you a little bit about him, then you'll all know why he's one of my mentors, and I'm very appreciative of him. Again, I've been, uh, we're in the area now in the Community Relations Division. I've been around into the motors, motors, of course, patrol, and now we're in a very distinctive, um, being in the, in our unit now, Community Relations just opens a lot of doors and working with, um, 
a lot of the elected officials and actually a lot of constituency from those elected officials. And so basically our time in patrol and dealing with certain calls and throughout the agency kind of help us with the roles that we actually do now with the police department. We also, um, you know, certified um, Florida practitioners as well in crime prevention in different areas of what they call SEPTEC, crime prevention through environmental design, which we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So you could get to know that and how the city is incorporating a lot of those actual um, factors into like their new um, the new buildings and everything that they're constructing now, and especially like in my um, partner's area where he's kind of um works out in the Lake Nona area, which is a booming area now that's just growing as potentially very, their growth is just quickly, every day is something new there. So with that, I'll hand it over to my partner, Officer Edgar Malave. Thank you, Eddie. I am Officer Edgar Malave with the Orlando Police Department. I've been with uh, the Orlando Police Department uh, just over 20 years. Uh, I've got a total of 25 plus in law enforcement altogether. Uh, I'm one of the six police liaisons uh, in the city of Orlando, the city of Orlando is divided up into six uh, districts or six commissioner districts. Each district has a assigned uh, commissioner or elected official and has a assigned uh, crime prevention officer or a community relations officer. And as the community relations officer for that district, uh, you're basically the point of contact, uh, for example, or the link to the police department for all those uh residents that live in that area and have uh, questions or concerns or uh, anything they need uh, police related we handle our respective districts in well i'm very excited to have everyone at the table we are missing a representative from the fbi but you know they're federal they've got a lot going on but i think we just need to go ahead and dive into the subject matter um but just to remind everyone that we are going to be talking about active shooter if This is not to be discussing or debating any um, hot topics. We will not allow debate to occur. This is educational to get you prepared mentally, even though I know we can spend years trying to prepare you mentally. You can't, Um, but at least you have an idea of what to do and how things work in those couple of minutes. So um, just to let you guys know, you're like, why is Terry bringing this up? Well, you turn on the news, um, or even if you're listening to one of our community calls, we recently had a teen uh, community member where his sister was shot, um, was not on purpose. It was um, a bullet that ricocheted, and luckily she's in the hospital and is doing okay. So a lot of us are touched by active shooter nowadays. As the temperature goes up, it seems like everyone's understanding and humanity changes and it's just you turn it on and all you do is you hear about it so I um, being a healthcare provider it was about mm, 10 years no uh, five six years ago just before pulse happened we started doing active shooter training in the hospital and the three things that I remembered from that is you run you hide and you fight. For us that are vision impaired, running may not be the per, you know the optimum subject, but we're going to talk about ways that we could do that. Um, hiding um, can be a, also a method we can do. And fighting, believe it or not, there are tools that you can use to fight because you don't want to, you know, go down without a fight. So on that note, um, Darrow, you want to start the discussion? Sure. I'd like to ask either officer, whichever one's appropriate. Describe what what you consider to be an active shooter and how we want to keep the emphasis here on on visually impaired and blind people and how we should react. Let's let's begin by uh, talking about that. Well, let me uh, go over real quick. And I know that run, hide, fight was mentioned there. And I I do want to elaborate on that. It's not necessarily in that order. Uh, for example, um, if it happens in, in, a, in, a, in a distant uh, room from you and you can hear it in the distance, then running may be an option. If it happens uh, in front of you, for example, uh, and the person is, is within reach, running may not be one of those options. So you, you want to know that your options are your recourses to run, hide, or fight, but always know that it may not be in that order. Um, if they're in front of you and they're getting ready to shoot or start shooting, your only option may be to, 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 to do what you can to defend yourself at that moment. Uh, so 
I just want to make sure we're all on the same page with that. And as far as an active shooter, uh, it's an active shooter is an individual actively engaged in killing or attempting to kill people in a populated area. Uh, basically, it's it's a large crowd uh, inside a building, outside, outdoors. When someone's out there, usually with a firearm, actively engaging uh, their targets or trying to uh, kill those targets or those those people in there. That's the basic definition for an active shooter. And just maybe we could start a little bit talking about how we, sh- we should react. I know you've talked a little bit about depending on the situation, and I understand there's probably a zillion situations, but what are the general things that we as, as blind and visually impaired people especially should be thinking about? So uh, good question on the narrow. It, it may be easier for you when you're familiar with the area, if it's an area you visit uh, often. So you're familiar with the layout uh, as far as the exits. Uh, you're definitely, your hearing is definitely more in tuned. So you're going to hear things uh, before others uh, probably see what's going on. So that should give you a somewhat of an idea of where the uh, the shooting is coming from, uh, how many of them are there. And based on your experience uh, of that layout, I would say you start quickly heading to one of your familiar exits uh, away from where the shooting would be. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I wonder, what do you recommend if someone in our community has never experienced hearing gunfire. What do you recommend a good thing for them to do to actually be able to experience and hear what a, the different types of gunfire? Who do you recommend they reach out to? Um, there's many you know, resources in there. You can always go to a local gun range. Uh, but I will tell you, even uh, uh, after four years in the military, uh, being law enforcement over 24 years, it's not uncommon that you hear, for example, loud fireworks, and depending on the way it echoes on the walls of the buildings or if it's in a parking garage, you always uh, – it, it sounds very similar to gunfire. So I would go off of any loud bang because it could be an explosion as well. Uh, just treat it as gunfire and go somewhere, uh, try to get in the direction where it's safer away from, from the, the actual noise. Yeah, we always teach that area, too, when we do any kind of neighborhood watch meetings or any kind of HOA meetings. And when we speak on if you see, hear something, if you hear something, just call it in. And if it sounds like gunfire, it probably is. And if it's a fireworks, then, you know, I know we had somebody here that's a dispatcher that if you're a dispatcher, when you get close to the 4th of July, we get a lot of calls that, you know, <laughs> it sounds like gunfire. It sounds like gunfire. And it's, it's an understatement. Right. But, you know, we don't get mad at those calls. We're like, I'm glad they heard something. I'd rather them hear it and give us a call because it's always the police department to check out with it and then always um, make sure. Like, if it's nothing, then we're handling it. But as I always tell people, especially my, our constituency that we deal with in our respective districts, always call. Oh, you hear something? Call it in. Just let us know. Let us check it out. If there's nothing, hey, I will come, you know, first want to shake your hand and say thank you very much because you're actively engaging in your community and um, you heard something, you said something. So nothing wrong with that. Another part um, Edgar was touching on is always for me, I always believe in planning. Like, um, like um, we're teaching now, we're talking about active shooter or active assailant because it doesn't even have to be a shooter. I think about if I have a golf club in my hand, I think I can do a lot of damage with a golf club and a seven iron and swinging that around. You know, so I like to even call it active, no, active assailant. So and something like that, always be kind of prepared. And your instincts are better than anyone that I would know. So instincts and knowing ahead of time, like when we do um, – like some security surveys and buildings and, and even do residential homes. Sometimes we do a resident, residential security survey. And basically myself and Edgar basically go to certain homes and we see how we can break into your house and we give you some options for you to consider to make your house a little better, you know, a little safer and everything as well as far as, um, you know, some tar- <clears throat> target hardening as far as cameras and even other ideas of fencing and peepholes and stuff like that. But also, when we mention to the commercial fact, sometimes we always talk about sometimes um, taking a room and in a commercial area and like an interior room and creating more like a safe room. And a safe room could be something just that, you know, you got a steel door there or something that you can go in and you have a landline 
in there that you could always lock, make yourself secure, and always have contact with the police and the outside world in case something happens. Because like in an active shooter situation or active assailant, he's just walking very methodical through the building, trying doors and trying to see his targets and when he can get his hands on. He won't stay a long time trying to get into somewhere. He's just trying to look. Touch, feel, boom, continue walking to see if it gets more targets. So proper planning, knowing that you might have, if you go into a certain area where you're having meetings, where you have a safe room where you can secure yourself in the area, then you know it could easily be they have a locked door. You can put down the shade, lights turned off or whatever it might be, that you know you can be secure in there and you can be out of sight, out of mind in that sense. So always uh, kind of plan accordingly. Always go through your checklist and see when you go some places. I do it myself. Edgar does it himself, myself. I go into a building when I step out into the unknown, look left, look right, and see what's going out there. See what's, see what's out there. We listen. Same thing when we're in patrol. And one of our biggest calls that we teach our rookie officers is the domestic violence calls. You just don't walk up to the door or anything. You just come, you park far away, you kind of walk and sit there and listen for a while, see what's going on, hear what's going on, and you can't see it, but you can hear what's going on. That tells you everything. So don't just go on instincts on just walking up there. Just make sure your instincts tell you to listen, and a lot of that will dictate dictate your future or what you're going to do next. So that's the main thing for me that I always like to pass on is proper planning and pre-planning and make sure I ask the proper questions and go through your checklist and everybody's checklist might be a little bit different so we'll make a checklist that works for you and ask those questions and I think that'll always go a long way before we jump over to Jay I'd like to um, ask everyone if what we have a lot of people in our community that are working and also going to school and we don't currently have any raised hands okay well, how about if raised hands of anything we've talked about so far for clarification? Travis raised his hand. Okay. Travis, how are you today? Please unmute and ask your question. Before we move on, I just want to thank the two um, police officers who are on this call. I just would like to thank you guys for what you do, you know, the men in blue, and just for all your frontline work and, what, and everything that you do on a regular basis, first of all. So, thank you very much. You're very welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for the compliments. But actually, um, I don't really have any questions at the moment, but I was going to share something, you know, just how um, we always are prepared, you know, working because we think working in retail when there's an active shooter. I wanted to talk about that. Okay. You've got, you've got two minutes, Travis. Go for it. So one of the things that we do on a yearly, um, that we've always done on a yearly basis, um, we've been required to have active shooter trainings, you know, online through, um, the training. Um, and one of the, um, w- and we've been training you know, for like disasters, like what to do if there's, you know, like a bomb threat or something. And one of the things is like knowing where your emergency exits are and so forth and what to do. And like for the active shooter situation, one of the things that they talked about is like, you know, don't fight with the shooter and, you know, report to management and call the 911. And they say if you go to like a safe room in the back of your store, not only that, you close the door, lock yourself in, put like some stuff around you and be silent, like maybe silence your telephone, watch, voiceover and the whole nine yards. Yeah, that is that is very correct. Yeah, you don't want to um, have the nine one one dispatcher on. Um, you can, um, Darrow. That's a question for you and officers. Um, I know some of the videos that I've been shown and taught in classes is you want to try to allow them to get as much hearing of what's going on because um, they can tell what kind of firearms they have and if it's a single shooter or not. Um, So turning off the phone, um, but somehow silence it for it doesn't alert the shooters or shooter. Right. Um, right. I mean, if you leave your phone on, you know, but, but the way to silence it, you just, I, you could just fl- flip the switch that's on the side in your iPhone to turn the ringers off and then just turn your voiceover off. That, that right. would be the thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So everybody, you have homework. Learn how to use your phone 
if in a case of emergency where they can hear, but you're not um, giving away your location. Jerry, I'd like to hear what the officer's comments on, on what, what Travis just said. I'd like to hear their, their feelings on that. Yeah, that's an excellent I'm glad question. You're having, yeah, I'm glad you're having that kind of training on a yearly basis. Uh, it's not uncommon that uh, we go out to businesses here in Orlando and, and do similar training for them uh, as a requirement. In short, uh, some of the things you mentioned that you got your training on, like you know, being aware of your surroundings, uh, taking notes of the uh, the nearest exits. Uh, if it's somewhere, as I mentioned earlier, if you're going in and out of there on a regular basis, you're probably going to be familiar with a, a couple of exits to, to know which direction to head in. Um, in if you're in an office or can get to an office where you can lock the door, uh, push the file cabinet in front of it. Uh, those are all good choices. So you're not having to try to maneuver your way out of, out of a, uh, a building, uh, especially if you're one of the higher floors. Um, mm. Yes. It's the last, the last resort. If you have to engage or uh, confront the active shooter, I would say that yes, the last resort, unless he's uh, standing in front of you um, with the cell phones. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things that's taught uh, silence it uh as quickly as possible. Um, if you're in a room and you can turn the light off, dim the phone so it's not visible. Uh, make sure you're not in view of a window on the door. Uh, those kind of things that you can uh, make it more difficult for the uh, the bad guy to see you in there. Those are all great choices and uh, good ways to, to handle those situations. That was an awesome question. Really appreciate you coming in and participating. I do have a question, though. Okay. Oh. You have a person that is barricades their house, in their house or whatever, and actively shooting or whatever you want to call it. Because the other, I think it was last month or something like that. And I was going out on my mobility and walking down that pathway. What do you guys do? when you guys block off an area and stuff, you know, cause in case, you know, somebody else is doing their mobility like I was. And luckily there was some bystanders said there's somebody that's barricaded in. Um, luckily they saw me and they said, you better not go that way. Jay, yeah. There's a lot of variables that, uh, Oh, I know in those situations, uh, I'm, I'm assuming he was in his home when you yes. say barricaded means he, he, he locked the door and wasn't coming out. Um, if he was shooting inside the home at what is uh, maybe family or friends that are inside, um, yeah, we treat that as an active shooter. Uh, we Once we determine where the shooting's going on and if there are other people involved, we will make uh, what's considered forced entry or forced highway into the home, and we would proceed to wherever the shooting is coming from to try to uh, do everything we can to stop him from injuring or uh, killing um, anyone else if it's out if it's shooting out the window uh as it's another possible uh, description to your incident there and he's shooting at people driving by or walking by then yes uh, normally whether it's inside or outside we start closing off the streets um we start going uh to the nearest homes and knocking on their door and trying to get them to evacuate so we have a a buffer zone where if uh he has no uh no viable uh, targets and in your situation, assuming it's a neighborhood, yeah, we would probably try to evacuate all the immediate homes, block the roads in both directions. If there's a road on the on the back of the home for the next row of houses, we'd block that as well. Um, we would establish a, uh, a command post somewhere nearby. And if he's not uh, able, he's just shooting and there are no targets for him to hit. There's no family inside the home. We would do everything we can to negotiate, try to get talk him out unless there's a uh, folks or people's lives are in danger, then he would be forcing our hand. Yeah, social media, social media is a big thing. I know police departments are usually getting on a lot of different platforms. Yeah. Whichever way you get your social media, get your alerts. That's always a good area too, that they start speaking on. And you know that this might be already happening in your area. So that's something locally. You could go with your police department locally as well. Say if there is an actual, and I'm not saying even active shooter, any kind of emergency, but active shooter being the top priority, how would they send alerts, even blast out to your area, to your platform, whichever might that be, that I can get it, or even it could be an audible that could be told to me on my phone via phone call or something to us, in a, like in a real time environment. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have a- pretty diverse community we have some people that are on every social platform out there to those that are on this call by a house phone we still have reverse 911 where the police they do 
Right, they do, but you got to make sure, and like I always tell everybody in their local areas, make sure to get with your police departments and actually ask them that, see how it works. A lot of them are updated with different systems that even go through different platforms and everything as well. So it's always good to get in touch with your local police departments and ask them. And I know we do have it, yes, in the city of Orlando. And this this may be a little sidetracked, but as you brought up reverse 911, I assume your cell phones, you have to contact your local police or fire department. Uh, is that correct? Do you automatically get it like you do the traditional landlines for reverse 911, or do you need to do anything to include your cell phones in that? That's why it's good, because don't forget that the, your cell phone your- the cell phone works off a ping and it goes into like an area. So it's always good to call your local police department to see exactly how your area works and how that area is set up for your nearest tower. And if you do need to provide any kind of like phone numbers or IP addresses or anything, because they might use the, you know, um, different signals or whatever it might be for your exact area. So remember everybody, 311 gets you to your government numbers so call 311 and ask to speak to uh dispatching and make sure you are a part of that community alert system as everyone is different thank you that was a great question now jay one uh well a couple of different calls that i was on one was a would we like to take ray's hands first sure definitely okay so charlie has his hand raised hey charlie what Hello, everybody. I hope everybody having a good day today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have one quick question. I would like to know, as us as the visually impaired people, um, if we turn off like our voiceover off from our phone, what is the easiest way, like the little easiest way, um, that we can dial like the nine one one if we turn off like the voiceover? Well. That is a great, great question um, because we have Apple iOS users and Android users and Pixel yes. users. Um, I can only answer for Android. There is an emergency button that I can push. I thought we covered this, Darrow, um, before. I'd like to ask the officers, at what point do you recommend calling 911 before or after you, you do anything to silence your, your phone? Should you call 911 first or, or worry about silencing your phone first? Uh, I'm always a, I'm always a fan of always. Call 911 first, whichever. It's never a wrong time to call 911. And like a lot of people tell us, even in our meetings that we go to, I don't like to bother 911. Should I call the non-emergency? 911 is the number we remember. Call them first. They'll kind of might want to stay in the line. They might not. They'll walk you through whatever you need to do. So always, for me, always 911 is always first priority, letting us know what's going on. Okay, good. Thank yes. you so much. Just oh, you're to so that. welcome. And make sure you get to know your model phone and your type of phone to reach emergency 911. There is yes. usually a simple button. And we will definitely um, bring that back again. Thank you. Yeah, I'm running iOS, so that's why I'm asking there. Just to add to that, obviously, we want you to get the safety first. Uh, don't, you know, get yourself the safety first, then call 911 as soon as you can. We're going to be getting a lot of calls anyway. Um, I just spoke to our dispatcher, for example, and for reverse 911, it only works on landlines. So- uh, oh, interesting. Okay. okay social platforms that the officers were sharing um you know you can your facebook page most every um police department has a facebook page there's um you know like you get weather alerts you can call and find out what's in your area so that's really good um here in lake county we have an alert system from smart 911 so you put your phone number in and they'll throw you a text if it's needed so it just depends on your area. Jay, are you going to share what happened at school the other day? At the school, they were just talking about doing lockdowns, whether it's a internal lockdown or an external lockdown. They were just talking about it in general. And it happened to be that we had to do a real lockdown with that. And because the person um, came in and was a little bit belligerent. So that's why we had to do a lockdown for that. And then we had to, we definitely had to call the police and, and get in their time and all that kind of thing for that part. I told him when we got done, I says, make sure that person doesn't do the uh, fire emergency because I don't need to, We don't think we need to have that one. 
for real calls wise, I've been in a, a, you know, a few calls. One was a, uh, a guy with a gun facing off with a guy with a, uh, chainsaw. And the guy that with the gun was running away from the guy with the chainsaw. And so we were called out just in case anything would happen with that situation. Luckily, the police definitely took care of it and solved that situation. But then we were on another call where the guy was shot directly in the heart. Uh, we, you know, said if everything was okay because we knew it was a shooting. And he says, yeah, get in here right away. And, you know, the guy goes, I'm doing CPR right now. And so we get in there right away and we do our job and... Unfortunately, or luckily, the guy that was the active shooter was still in the house, in the bedroom, with still the gun. I did talk to the police officer afterwards, after our call got done, because I felt that we don't have bulletproof vests. You know, we come in there with our T-shirts and stuff, so we don't need to have um, that kind of situation, especially when he told us everything was okay to come in, grin it. Because of the situation, the guy was shot in the heart, and we wanted he wanted to save that person. Like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, your safety is first, in, you know, especially like for water safety. Either way, situation is you come first. Well, thank you, Jay, so much for sharing that with us. So we've covered, you know, what happens if you're at work, you know, find a safe place. Um, so the next time you guys are at work or if you're at work listening, you know, just take a moment and think of if this happened, what would I do? And then I would say, um, you know, at school, they have um, the way to communicate with everyone when there's an event that happens on campus as well. Um, real quick, what I want to add to the conversation is things that I learned in my active shooter training to use to fight with. And let me tell you, as a vision impaired woman, I have this really great device called a cane. You can fold it and you can use it and you can fight with it and stick it and jab it. And especially when it's folded in half. Um, The other device that I learned that is very well common in public places is a fire extinguisher. And if you've never, ever got a chance to play with a fire extinguisher, Reach out to your local fire department and ask when they're going to do a community um, event, a community education, because all you have to do is pull this pen, you pull, you aim, you squeeze, and you spray. And you get this, um, you know, shocking event for that person. So fire extinguishers is a great one. The other thing I'd like to go is, um, Susan, what, oh, I'm sorry, the officers, um, when you go into an active shooter and things are going on and we're still trapped, we're still hiding, what are some of the things we can do to help you guys figure out who's who and what's what? I'm kind of thinking both of you guys may have been involved with an active shooter event. One of the things we always uh, like to make sure is we um, we don't know who's who's who. So if you can keep your hands and your palms visible, uh, for us at all times it's it's very helpful um during an active shooter um we're moving toward the sound of the gunfire uh so we're, we're not stopping uh unfortunately you're, you're you're just moving as fast as you can uh, toward that gunfire um so on, on the way there if we're walking past uh, several folks that their hands uh visible or hands up uh is is very helpful for us and one of the things i was taught is um if you have your cell phone put it down when he means empty hands also i'd like to bring up and this may seem kind of silly but uh, i've i've taken calls where people question what police officers are telling them i assume the correct thing to do is always do what a police officer instructs you to do even if you don't think it's you know why is he telling me to do that just do it am i correct in that yeah absolutely especially in those uh moments like that uh active shooter scenario yeah there's our goal is to to find uh, the the individual as fast as possible so we can save as many lives as possible preventing from causing any more harm here we have another question if i could yeah no go ahead and then we'll let susan go after you okay this may also seem like you're kind of a well no it's an important question how do you know when you're hiding when the event the active shooter event is over for us, um, 
obviously when 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 the shooting has stopped either he's he stopped shooting we're still looking for him or uh he's uh taking his own life or, or ho- however the incidents ended we go through and do a secondary obviously uh, searches of the area um there will be officers in full police uniforms uh coming to look for you uh if you have your phones with you you can call the 911 dispatcher uh, as well they will let you know if if that is the police outside your door uh to please uh to come on out we, we will communicate with you um you can communicate uh with us via 911 so we can ensure it is the police you're talking to. So one of the most important things I think I've heard you say was, or maybe I'm, I think I'm right, just because it's quiet does not mean the incident is over, correct? Absolutely, that's correct. Okay. That's correct. There will be, there will definitely be warnings on that. I think that the police will start making it, and like Baker said, if they hear police outside and they're clearing rooms in it, they know they have cleared the area. You can always call if you do have your phone. The police department will also have that information for you. Mm-hmm. Dan, are there any hands raised? Yes, there are six hands raised. All right. Let's go through the hand raise. And when Susan comes back, we'll let her jump in. All right. Let's do this, guys. Okay. First, we have Anne. What is reverse 911? And you said something about the landline. What does that have to do with it? And how do you do it on the cell phone? Okay, so um, reverse 911 is where the 911 system can send a machine call. You know how when you might be listening to the radio or you say, in case of emergency, beep, this would have been followed by instructions. Reverse 911 is only on landlines. They can send a message to you where the phone rings and it's 911 calling you saying that, there's an alligator walking down the street or there's an active shooter at Target or, you know, there's a... So how do you know what that is? What do you mean? I mean, how do you know? Is it a special ring or something? No, you'll answer the phone and then the, the message will talk to you. You'll hear it. It'll talk. Yeah. I'll be, a, I'll be a recording on your landline. So on your cell phone, that's a totally different system. Um, do you get weather alerts for your area? Yes. Okay. So you may have it activated. Again, we're not knowing where you live, and I don't want to, because we can just talk about everyone's system. Call 311, okay? So that will hook you up immediately to your local government agencies and Uh say, I was on a call. I was learning about active shooter. How do I ensure that I get an alert on my phone, on my cell phone? And they'll walk you through the steps, because the one thing that, Everybody wants to do in law enforcement and EMS and the EOC is to definitely communicate what's going on. All right, next. Next is Pam Coffee. Hey, Pam, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Quite a coincidence. Anne and I are good friends. Oh. <laughs> the one that you just, was just on. Uh, yes, I wanted to try to clear up a little something, maybe, maybe, um, that came up a while ago, and that was. When you're in a situation that you don't want to make a sound, like if there's an active shooter. Okay, if you're totally blind and you turn voiceover off on your phone, you're not going to be able to use your phone because you're getting no speech. You're getting your phone works exactly like it would if you were totally sighted. What I would suggest if you need to use your phone, you need to call 911, is whenever you go anywhere, make sure you carry a headset of some sort with you, like earbuds, whatever you normally would use, preferably the ones that came with your phone. And if you need to make a phone call, call 911, call whatever, You plug in your earbuds, put them in your ears, and you can go ahead and make that phone call. Anything that's going on outside, they're not going to be able, well, they'll hear you speak, but you would have to speak very softly. But if the police need to hear what's going on and you don't want to be heard yourself, the the headsets that come with smartphones have a microphone and so it will pick up what's going on around you 
in addition to anything you would say. But the person who is outside, standing right outside your door with a gun, isn't going to hear you unless you're saying there's an active shooter, like, you know, to to tell the police. They're not going to know that you're making a phone call because you've got your headset plugged in. If, if you get where I'm going, if you need to use a screen reader, you're, you're totally blind, you, you make a phone call, you don't want the person outside to making, um, they don't want to hear you. Well, you're not going to be talking to other people in the room, but if, if you need to be as silent as possible and don't want the person outside to know that you're on with the police and you don't want the shooter to hear what the police might be telling you, plug in your... That's good information, making sure you're using the, your earbuds or, yes. or different other things because when our phone is talking, that person can locate us by that by the phone talking and we don't yes. want that person to locate us and and just speak as softly as you can when when you call the police if you have to call the police that's correct and next question is from nancy i have a question i'm you know i sometimes you may not know your environment like if you're in a, if you're in a restaurant you're in a store you're in a theater you may not know your your way around now you know, when I, when I worked, on, you know, they really said run, hide, fight. Well, definitely not going to fight someone with a gun. But anyway, and I, I have a question. Is, is it possible if you're not sure, if you get someplace, can, can you play dead? I mean, I don't know if I can even do that. I might, you know, they might think, well, there's no blood on this person. I'm going to shoot her anyway, you know. And also, I, I like to hear about, you know, I, 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 there was a show on 60 Minutes. Scott Kelly was talking about a lot of people with AK-15s, very high-speed uh, bullets go through the air. And are, are the medics trained to deal with that type of blood loss, like as if you were in Afghanistan or, or you know, or, or um, one of those countries? Thank you. And that is where Stop the Bleed comes in. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get a representative on the call this time. But in, uh, we're working on them and Stop the Bleed, which I posted on Health Checkup Facebook page. But I'll make sure to send Cindy to add to the community list tomorrow where you can go check this out and find a class. It was developed by four agencies. One of them was the DOD, Department of Defense. Um, so this is things that were taught. And basically, it's changing the ABC. So normally you hear airway, breathing, circulation. It's assessment, bleeding, and control. So you learn hmm. in the class of how to stop major bleeding. And there's these kits that you can buy. Because what they learned in the shooting of the movie theater and also in the Boston bombing is if you are next to someone that is injured, you can actually be the first responder, literally, because, you know, something happens within two to three minutes, you want to be able to reach out and grab a proper tourniquet. One of the other things they learned in the Boston Marathon is that people were not knowing how to properly secure tourniquets. And there was a lot of limbs that could have been saved if it was put on tight enough. And people are a little bit scared. And this is where my American Heart Association training is, is I tell them, look, push hard and fast on that chest. Well, I don't want to hurt them. I'm like, you're not going to hurt them. You're just going to allow them to die. We can fix everything else. We can fix a punctured lung. We can fix, you know, a heart that's been punctured. But if you don't have blood perfusing to the brain. So this Stop the Bleed is amazing because they actually show you the three t different ways of doing, you know, if it's um, how to apply pressure properly, how to pack the wound, um, where you actually put um, stuff inside the wound to help find the artery and create a big clot, and also how to place a proper tourniquet on. And believe it or not, when you do a tourniquet and that person is still breathing and alert, it's going to hurt and you don't stop putting 
that tourniquet on until they're screaming because you've got to stop that arterial blood from coming out. Mm -hmm. So we're super excited. We are going to do that um, call. So it's called Stop the Bleed. And you can Google it and you'll find Mm -hmm. their videos are not audio descriptive at this time, but I reached out to them and hopefully our audio description project can work with them. Thank you. And a blind person can learn to do this, right? Wow. Totally. A lay person, blind. Uh, Yeah. Blind. Yeah, no. And I'm actually applying to become an instructor for them because you have to be a provider. And my goal is to, you know, work with our community to be able to teach them. But they've never had a blind person ask to become an instructor. And I don't see why I can't. But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Thank you so much, Nancy. Um, education is key and preparing is key. What other hands we've got up, Dan? Thank Next you. is Kathy. I will make this quick. I'd like to ask the officers. I'll use a mall shooting as an example. If the officers ask you to show your hands, you've got a cane in one hand for some people and a guide dog in the other, so you're holding the harness. You don't want to let the harness go because that's your, you know, safety guide. What do you do in that situation? Well, our concern is, number one concern is that you keep yourself safe. So if holding on to the cane and your guide dog is what's going to keep you the safest, um, we can look at that situation and tell that person isn't actively engaging a crowd with a firearm uh, you're holding a cane in one hand or a dog in the other hand, we would certainly understand that. We wouldn't expect you to let go of either one of those two. Right. You, we, could, we could decipher. They'll be able to see that you don't have a phone or something that resembles a gun, and that's the main thing that they're looking at right there. Both of your hands are occupied holding the cane and the uh, harness for the dog. Next is Eugene. Yeah, I'd like to thank the police officers for their job because I know exactly what, what they're going through. You know, I've been in the Navy for 22 years, and 15 of it is law enforcement. I've been deputized with three different sheriff's departments, and I did 15 years with Pinellas County working in the jail. Uh, one thing with the active shooters, uh, even if you're in a one at your house where there's somebody broken into your house or whatever, you need to let the police know if you're carrying a weapon or if you got a weapon close by because uh, that's information they want to know. They don't want to be uh, hunting for somebody through the house. They don't want to take a chance of you reaching for a gun. So you need to let them know if there's any weapons around. That's a good point. Thank you, Eugene. Excellent. Anything else you want to add? No, I think they're doing a good job. I definitely want to listen to that one about stop the bleeding. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just pay attention to the community. We are taking the month of July off due to all the exciting conventions going on. We've got the World Blind Symposium at the end of this month. We've got NFB and we've got the ACB eight-day convention, and everyone should have received their voting um, instructions. Any other calls? One more with Travis. Okay. Okay, Travis, you got one minute. What's up? I wanted to respond to Anne's, you know, questions and everything about the reverse 911. One thing to keep in mind for those who have a landline, if they have the reverse 911 or if they're going to have it on their landline, for those who might have one of the Panasonic uh, phone systems in their home, the talking caller ID should say call from like this department or what have you. Just FYI. Let me give you an example because we actually had a shelter in place um, take place once last year. And when our home phone rang, um, we have a Panasonic expandable phone system. And um, the caller ID said, call from San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Department. Nice. Yes. And for those who need a better home phone, I recommend one of those uh, models because you'll have peace of mind with talking call ID no matter who it is. Thank you, Travis, so much for sharing that information. So what I'd like to do is um, ask our guest if there's any last minute recommendations um, or last minute comments. First, I'd like to thank everyone for allowing us the opportunity to come in here and speak on this uh, topic. Um, the, the golden nugget, the takeaway I always say is, uh, when it comes to active assailant, active shooter is, uh, the easiest one to remember is to run, hide, fight. Remember, it's not always in that order, but get yourself to safety, uh, away from the gunfire as quickly as possible. If you need to lock, lock the door, the office closet, wherever you're in, lock the door quickly. 
and the other and the other make sure and we're talking about before the checklist of you're going somewhere if you know you're going in advance and you can't prepare prepare mentally mentally is always the best thing because you always have a game plan in place go through your internal checklist always ask the questions that you need and always if you hear something say something if you like we're talking about fourth of july is coming up if it sounds like gunfire give a call the best they could tell you is well check it out make sure it's not fireworks but you heard because I'll be doing the same thing. I have an 11 year old and I tell him the same thing. If he's daddy, daddy, this is what's going on. And I also coach little leagues. So I'm always on top of them teaching, you know, you see something, say something, hear something, say something all the time. So my thing is always planning and pre-planning. And if you can always get that checklist, internal checklist in place. Thank you. Thank you so much. Zero last minute words. Thank you very much, officers. We really appreciate what you do, and we know your lives are on the line. And having worked with you guys for many, many years, I appreciate what you do. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Daryl. Jay? I just want to say thank you very much for your your dedication and your job and what you guys do for us. And for the people, and stay out of the police's way if you can. You know, hide, um, you know, especially on an active shooter-wise. Uh, don't be brave enough to say, oh, I can help, you know, help out. Nope. Your best bet is get out of the way. Um, and for me, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much, the city of Orlando, for all you do, um, for protecting and serving our communities and setting an example for others in the United States. Um, I know you guys have gotten a lot of accolades for all you've done. And all I have to say is, is, um, you guys saved a lot of lives in Pulse, a lot of lives. And thank you so much. I mean, using the um, window AC to be able to gain access, and then you guys realized at the last minute that wasn't the best safe for those that were inside and that you guys um, SWAT changed their mind. Um, you guys saved so many people. I mean, there was over 300 and something people in there, and he was only able to get less because of you guys is great heroic and thank you for everything you guys do on that note everybody in the community and out in acb radio thank you so much for listening to us um we will be taking the month of july off um we are working very diligently we will have stop the bleed on um if there's any topics that you feel that covers your home emergency advocacy lifestyle trauma and hot topics, please reach out to us. We love to collaborate with anybody and everyone to educate and improve our lives. As we know, all of us on the team here, our goal is to remind you, you're the most valuable player on this team. So be strong and advocate and be seen safe. Thanks, everyone. Have a great and safe holiday.